Welcome, everyone. This is Press X to Start Podcast, Season 6, Episode 11. Press X to Start Podcast is an audio and video podcast seeking to transform the video game media landscape through an underserved and protected point of view. I am your host today, Sean M.F. Ross. Hey, you guy. You're supposed to say the thing. Oh, I'm awful here. Hey, hey everyone. This is a two-hander. This is what we call a fireside chat. Everyone else is irresponsible and can't get their shit together. So it's left to me and Sean to record the podcast. I mean, I couldn't get my shit together today. Uh, we're recording this in the evening. Look, look, you are here. That's all that matters. Yeah, I uh, take care of my priorities. Five of the people on this podcast. <laughs> I'm fucking around. Okay, but uh, we don't have too many highlights and stuff today. We're not going to have a heavy hitter. Just a light show today. We're going to be talking about... Uh, Fortnite, a little bit of GTA Online, Microsoft and unions, comic books, Ghostbusters, all that good stuff. Avery, take it away. Okay, everyone. So, uh, it's me. It's Avery. I'm once again doing the quick hits, getting better every year. I can really feel the momentum for my first international title. You got a title? It's a whole thing. Uh, It's an FBX joke. Anyway, our first story is from PC Gamer. Uh, this is from Jody McGregor. Uh, Fortnite has turned off building mode in its default mode. So Fortnite has just started its brand new season. And beyond noticeably having fire skins and having fantastic design all around, with the addition of Doctor Strange, the narrative conceit of this season is that the I.O., the, I guess, villains of the Fortnite meta-narrative, have arrived on the island and turned off all building. As a direct result, if you're one of those kids who are cranking 90s and building up the sky heaven, all that shit is gone. How the hell do you turn off? I mean, okay, she hit a button, but I mean, did that remove all building material from the island? I don't get it. I haven't played this season yet. I'm kind of interested in jumping into it eventually when I'm not in Elder Ring video game hell. But... From what I've observed from people playing it, scavenging for materials and things like that is still 100% there. I'm not sure if you do anything with the material. Well, yeah, you do. You have to use those materials to buy things from vending machines and whatnot. Yeah. So all that stuff is there. It's just the act of, at least on PlayStation, hitting the circle button and bringing up the uh, uh, menu to build, that's gone. Uh, in replacement of that, they've added a bunch of new movement tech. You actually now have a full-on sprint button, so it's not just walk and light jog. It's now walk, fast jog, haul ass, and there's a full-on stamina meter for that, which is interesting. So, Didn't it have that before? I don't think so. I think you would just move at the highest speed indefinitely. And infinite run, basically. Yeah, yeah. But in comparison to a game like Apex, where I'm like zooming across the map, I always felt things were slow. And then they also added mantling. So you're able to now, because normally when people get it to get- It didn't have that before? No, because you would just build a ramp and jump on top of the ledge you wanted to go you're to. Right. You're now right. you jump and you should be able to mantle over. And they also added uh, an overshield, which now is like a halo regenerative shield. So you have your base health, you have your, your blue health, which is just your shields. And then you have a like uh, meter that's right next to it that gives you an overshield and it regenerates. So almost three levels of shit to get through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to try it, but... Uh, oh, I, this is the most excited I've ever been for Fortnite. My one issue with Fortnite was building and how complicated that was. And it doesn't matter 
how good you are as a mechanical player. If the yeah. other person is good at building and you're not, you're going to lose. Unless, like, you get RNG of, like, a zone pull and they have to do some crazy shit to get out of the zone. Like, if the GG's right there. So this is the most interested I've been in Fortnite. Uh, when I'm not in Elden Ring Jail, I plan to get the squad together, which is me, Sean, and pull Douglas out of uh, Lawyer Jail, which is, which, which is his life, and we get together run some trios. Maybe pull DJ in if we can get him to give a multiplayer game that's not Call of Duty a chance. I suppose. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm willing to try it. We'll play it this week or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so second story. This is from Eurogamer from Matt Wales. GTA Online is getting a six-month subscription service for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series S. Uh, Rockstar has revealed GTA Plus, an optional new $6 a month GTA Online subscription service for PS5, Xbox Series X, and S, that will provide members with regular selection of monthly rewards, including GTA dollars, special vehicle upgrades, and more. I don't see a problem with this. Yes, I don't see it either, and we'll get into it. What you get, specifically for the inaugural month, is going to get 500000 GTA dollars. Uh, the Princep... Yeah, the Princep Vest 8, along with a complimentary house special works, which I'm guessing is like GTA bullshit. Uh, um, the Princep is a car and how is like a tuner to mod your car and stuff like that. The auto shop located in La Mesa, La Mesa introduces an assortment of gameplay updates for Los Santos tuners. Current auto shop owners can relocate to La Mesa, La Mesa for no additional cost. Waived LS car meet membership fees. Yacht owners can upgrade to the Aquarius Super Yacht at no additional cost. The Gazette Frog Tree and Broker, Broker Prolapse Basketball Top and Shorts automatically added to the wardrobe. The conveyor li- uh, livery for the Mammoth Avenger HVY APC and TM2 Kanjali. A selection of free paints and emblems for the auto shop. 3x GTA dollars and RP on Howe's Special Works Race Series. And two times car meet rep on the Street Race Series. If you're heavy into GTA, like if this is all you play, I mean, yeah, yeah. you're more than likely going to get this. From the outside, it feels like a cash grab, but I mean... Oh, no, it 100% is, but I have no issue with this for two reasons. One, they're not taking anything away. If this was taking stuff out of the game and putting into this uh, subscription service, I'd be like, hey, yo, this is kind of fucked up. Let's really talk about uh, the rise of capitalism and the consumerism of video games. And B, if you don't play GTA, like, every day, this isn't for you. Yeah, some people, this is all they play the same way yeah, all we play is Apex daily or some shit, so. This is for you. And, like, if this is, if all you do is play GTA, this sounds like, oh, so you're selling me once a month, I get five, I don't know how much money you can earn on a regular basis in GTA, but, like, a lump sum of 500k a month yeah. for $6. And it like, may feel better than buying a shark card for some people. Yeah. They may feel like, eh, I don't want to support shark cards, but this is slightly different, so I get it. I don't play it enough. You're also getting sp- uh, the ability to buy special GTA Plus shark cards from PlayStation Store. So we'll see what that actually entails. Uh, I know Fortnite did this with the Fortnite Club. Yeah. Uh, which is just... I wonder how that's doing. I think, I think it's doing relatively fine. I mean, Fortnite makes money hand over fist, and so it's really hard to gauge from the outside looking in. I guess if it failed, we would have seen a news story about it. So it must be doing halfway decent. Yeah, well, I'll say every time I log into Fortnite, the first thing they want me to look at is the Fortnite club. And I'm like, oh, man, this skin is super cool. But I don't play enough Fortnite to 
give them money for this. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. At the end of the day, it is a cash grab, but I'm of the mindset that it's a cash grab that's not hurting anyone. And in the, I'm of the mindset that without recognizing who actually made this decision, if this was Rockstar, I'm like, yeah. I'm all for devs getting more money for the work, especially when it's a work like GTA 5, which they've somehow turned into this juggernaut of a service. Or if it's 2K, if it's 2K, then it's just like, okay, this is a little bit much. But right. if, it's, if it's Rockstar, more power to you. There's a little bit more to do in GTA than there is uh, 2K 20-whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so our next story is... Next story is from VGC, uh, posted by Jordan Midler. Uh, Microsoft says it won't object if Activision recognizes Call of Duty Studios' potential union. Uh, according to Axios, in response to an open letter, the company has said that it will not object to the union efforts, which have largely gained momentum in the wake of Activision Blizzard's ongoing scandals. This is by the CEO uh, Satya Nadella with Microsoft proper. Like, uh, essentially, what it's clarifying is unions are a big thing. We've been yeah. speculating on how whether Microsoft would stamp out any potential union in the Activision Studios before it reaches Microsoft proper in order to prevent the multi-headed hydra of, of collective bargaining from within their own tech conglomerate. And from what it seems, they're saying, hey, we've got no problem with this. Whether they would are... Would so- be able to do something if they did have a problem? That's, that's the question. There's a difference. You're effectively going to own this organization. It's just a matter of when this deal is going to get inked. Yeah. Are you supporting this or are you like... We just waiting for the shit to drop. They can try to unionize, but don't they have to come to some meeting or whatever the hell before any of that can come to pass? Yeah. They can stonewall the shit until it just stalls out and whatever happens. This is a good guy Microsoft situation, but I'm waiting for the ink to dry on both the union and the Call of Duty deal before I'm like, let's see how this uh, pans out. Because just from the sheer headline of it all, it sounds like this is perfect. They're not getting involved with the activation because they really can't right now. But this is a letter of support of the union, which is good. We'll see what happens when the union becomes part of Microsoft and how that affects Microsoft proper and everything like that. Uh, they make compartmentalize that. Yeah, they will have to. They will have to. So our next story is actually something that's kind of really cool. Um, yeah. Ghost, yeah, Ghostbusters is one of my favorite things. Just point period. That first movie is fantastic. Everything after that, is, uh, well, we, we can agree to disagree of whether it was needed to be made or was good or was okay or was. Are you talking about Ghostbusters 2 or the one with. Uh, 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 I'm just saying after Ghostbusters 1, everything else is up in the air of the quality of it. Ghostbusters 2. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Which movie had that Bobby Brown song? I'm, I'm pretty sure Ghostbusters. No, Ghostbusters. Okay, okay. Yeah. I agree with you then. Yeah, okay. So anyway, this is from Kotaku from Luke Plunkett. Uh, new Ghostbusters game coming to PC and consoles. Uh, a new Ghostbusters game has been announced called Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. It's an asynchronous 4v1 multiplayer shooter where four Ghostbusters can take on one player controlling the ghost. So this is kind of like... Uh... Shit. What's the name of that game where you had the monster in it? Evolved? Yes. Okay. So this is from Ilphonic. Ilphonic was the team behind Friday the 13th. They're also the team behind uh, uh, the Predator game that came out. So mm. doing asynchronous multiplayer games 
He's they something that's plenty of experience, basically. Yeah, something that's in their bag. Uh, They're not the same ones that do Dead by Daylight. No, that's a completely different team. Okay. Uh, so the most interesting thing about this is this game is a sequel to the 2021 Ghostbusters film, Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's taking that one sequence at the end of the movie where Ernie Hudson's character says that he wants to bring back the Ghostbusters and the game takes place in a world where other people have now taken on the roles of Ghostbusters and are busting ghosts in the place of the original team. Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson have returned to reprise their roles. You know, I had the opportunity to drive him to the airport one time, but I didn't feel like it that day. Don, when I tell you that I used to have dreams that Ernie Hudson was my dad. <laughs> I'm talking about Dan Aykroyd. I'm still talking about Ernie Hudson. <laughs> I wanted that dude to be my dad so bad because I loved Winston Zedmore. <laughs> I'm like, just, I was just a black guy doing a good job. I wonder if this is going to have creative character, though. Yes, it is. Oh, well, uh, sounds like Cameron will be getting this. I didn't make that joke. Sean did. <laughs> but no, what's very interesting about this game is the writing team is James and Elise Willems from Funhouse, which is an interesting choice. Uh, they were previously involved in uh, Predator Hunting Grounds as a lot of the voices of the uh, uh, Marines that you could play as. Yeah. And then Greg Miller of Kind of Funny and Rahul Kohli of sort of like the Rooster Teeth. Well, okay, Midnight Mass, uh, I Zombie are going to be voices in the game. They haven't said who they're voicing or what they're voicing, yeah. but, they're, but they're going to be involved in the game. And that's in terms of what my interests are, Ghostbusters, kind of funny, Funhouse. I don't care if it's a multiplayer game. Seems cool. Uh, they've also implemented a system in which you can now play the game single player. Gotcha. Where if you don't want to get four friends to play in a group, you can play against an AI with three AI partners, or you can play the AI ghost against four AI Ghostbusters. So there's actually some single player content to enjoy that doesn't require you to have friends. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, I am optimistic that the game will be fun, not optimistic of what's going to be its shelf life, because mm-hmm. it's the problem with asynchronous gameplay is how do you keep it competitive, fair, and fun like i remember of one of the things that killed evolved is that the minute the monster evolves to its like second stage if you're not playing as a hunter with like an organized group running comms doing all of that the game stops being fun because the monster is so overpowered and then if you're playing as the monster it's like not fun until you can level up and actually take the fight to the people as long as it's 40 dollars, i may try it i mean i don't whatever we'll see well, it's cool playing news. Okay, our next story is from MSN. Okay. Uh, well, actually, it's from GamePer by Toby Saunders. Uh, yeah, Polyphony Digital apologies for Gran Turismo 7's issues. Uh, free 1 million CR to affect the players. So uh, a story that we haven't really been talking about covering because none of us give a shit about uh, GT is that, uh, one, the game's economy has been bad. Uh, as someone who hasn't played it, and hyperbole is a thing, it, it seems like it's been reaching the Star Wars Battlefront level of, yo, what's up with the microtransactions in this game's economy? And they also were having, because the game's always online, they've also been having uh, connectivity issues that made the game unplayable. Like, it never occurred to me that, like, if the, the game's servers went down... You wouldn't be able to play your game. 
not even you couldn't even play it, but you couldn't even like play it in an offline state, which is you can't play the game. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. I mean, that's DRM for you. Everybody's not gonna have stable internet or quality internet in the US. We're just not at that level yet. Granted, having a PS5 and having Gran Turismo 7 is a luxury. But uh continue with the story. Yeah. So many players have voiced their concerns and began automating races to grind for expensive cars. So what appears to be is that the game from what I can uh, cursory look at the game and everything like that, the economy for the game has made every car prohibitively expensive and requires a lot of work to get the in-game currency to yeah. acquire them while front-loading things with microtransactions where I think some cars maybe like 40-something dollars. Okay, so I, I actually just looked that up because uh, they have this 10 most expensive cars that I'm looking up right now, and this is as of... Shit, this is March 6th, though. So they may have changed it, like you said. But at the time, like, if you wanted to buy a... No, nobody's buying a damn Red Bull car. A Ferrari F50, that's 3.3 million credits. I'm not sure if that has gone up since then. But uh, as we're... What the... F- Something is 20 million credits? This is ridiculous. Anyway, a- as an apology to players, they have uh, gifted them... 1 million credits in game. I'm trying to find an updated uh, price list. I can't find an updated price list, but um, when it first launched, the most expensive car, I think, was like 3.3 million credits, and that was like a uh, Ferrari FX case. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, because GT launched, fantastic reviews, uh, GT is back, and quickly... The uh, messaging around that game has evolved to what the hell were they thinking with the design mm-hmm. decisions of this game to the point where I think its user score is like a, a sub 1.6 or something like that because people have been review bombing it on any site they can get their hands on. It has the lowest PlayStation exclusive score of all PlayStation games. In terms of user score. Let me see. Races like Fisherman's Ranch have dropped from paying 65,000 credits to 30,000 credits. Uh, Goodwood 35k to 12k, Suzuka Circuit 75k to 50k, and it sounds like they raised the prices of cars as well. That's just ass. Um, and their reasoning was these cars are expensive in real life, so we want to limit the access to them in the game. I mean, people play the game to race the damn cars. I would agree. I I would have no problem with that up until you have prohibitive microtransactions around the game. That make it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. If it was in-game credit, if like if a car was a million dollars and you had the in-game grind for that, I'd be like, I damn. But it's the grind, and if you keep putting out content, like the grind stays for real. Regular content, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But if you put a car out for a million dollars and then say, hey, for sixty dollars you can get just that a million dollars, that's like another. So I mean, okay. So in your opinion, what would be an acceptable grind time for, let's say, a million credits? A week, a month? Uh, I'd say a week. Like, maybe a week, too. Like, if you played casually for, like, an hour or two a day, I think. But, and I mean, I guess everybody would have a Ferrari, they're trying to say. I understand it, kind of. I under- yeah, I understand it, and I have no problem with that as a design choice. I play Souls games. But it's one of those things where I'm like, then don't give the shortcut of, like, the microtransactions, if that makes sense. Yeah. Especially when... 
that essentially gets to pay to, to play because yeah, you're actually it's one thing to say okay grind for it or pay us more money to take the shortcut i get it i get it yeah it is what it is playstation is quote unquote fixing their problem but we'll see uh in more positive playstation news this is uh from gameindustry.biz from christopher dring playstation to buy jade raymond's haven studios sony's first developer in canada so i want to say in the last year yeah jade raymond came out of her self-imposed hiatus after leaving uh google stadia and she put together a new studio called haven and they started working alongside playstation on a new multiplayer game that was about a year and a month ago come a week ago our time we just get this random bit of news that playstation has acquired the studio they ain't even put nothing out yet. That's crazy. Well, they, like them Nicki Minaj numbers right there. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting bit of conglomeration, if I can, if I can say it. In that, I talked about certain purchases making me sick. The Bungie one felt weird. Uh, everything Microsoft does feels weird uh, <laughs> in terms of like the big conglomerates. And I've always liked PlayStation's ethos of hey, we've been working with these studios for a while. They've effectively been second-party studios at PlayStation. We're going to acquire them. This is weird in that there's no real... There's nothing I can say as a PlayStation fan of being like, yes, we needed this studio because this studio has not released a game. What were they working on? Were they working on a... uh... They're working on a multiplayer live service game. Yeah, it just says an exclusive... uh... No, okay, no. Sony invested in them... March of last year. Yeah. Ever since it, they've been working. Okay. Yeah. That, that's when they made the partnership. And that's when they're like, hey, we're making this original game for PlayStation. And now the studio is outright bought by PlayStation. This shit must be some fire that they see behind the scenes for them to say, we need this and nobody else can have this. So I'm curious to see what they're working on. Yeah, it's 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 for, one of for, the, for nothing to be shown yet. Yeah, and, and like Jade Raymond created fucking assassin like she's one of the people responsible for creating assassin's creed when i was in love with that studio and i think she's been riding off of the coattails of that and watchdogs yeah for the last 10 to 15 years in that she went to ea motive they released star wars battlefront 2 but i'm pretty sure she's not really responsible for like creating that game because it's the sequel to a game that ea has already yeah. been making and then she went to Stadia, and that was a whole clusterfuck. Didn't produce anything. That's, that's, that's not her fault. It's not her fault. Well, she did her best. Yeah, I don't, yeah. She didn't produce anything. Not to see that Haven. I mean, make- nobody produced anything on Stadia. So, I mean, I don't think anybody could fault her or anybody else for that. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. Like, I'm a, as a PlayStation fan. I, in a world of where Xbox is doing X, yeah. I'm excited for PlayStation to make these type of moves. It's just a move that I can't, in my mind's eye, see where it's going. That's why you need to open your third eye, brother. Oh. Then you'll understand what's going on in PlayStation land. But yeah, we'll see. It, it, the only positive thing, because like GameIndustry.biz, they broke this news. And then they also had an exclusive interview with Herman Holtz. And Herman yeah. sort of went on to more details of why they bought the studio. Like, it's not just that they saw the game and were really into it. They also wanted a canadian-based studio now that canada has sort of become specifically montreal and that sort of area has sort of become a uh, a growing hotbed. yeah hotbed for video game developers we'll see yeah 
Uh, I wonder what the time frame is for them to at least announce or show us like an inkling of what they're building. I think, well, they've only had a year to build. However, PlayStation has seen it in its early stage and said, we want to put a ring on it. So I'm guessing in the next two years, like, I mean, look how look how quickly uh, Hideo Kojima turned around with uh, Death Stranding. So I mean, yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing two years. And if it's a live service game and if the Spartacus stuff, which we're going to talk to you in about a couple seconds, turns out to be like fruitful, they could conceivably release this game in like its most bare bones state on Spartacus mid to early next year. I'd say late next year, early year after that. But we'll see. Um, they did not disclose the price of the acquisition. I'm really curious about that. Yeah. Because that tells you how much money from what we have been able to infer that Sony still has in its war chest to make more purchases, considering both Herman and uh, Jim Ryan have talked about how they have more things coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. I'm energized. Yeah. It's interesting. Okay. Uh, and our last and final story this is from IGN from Matt Kim. PlayStation will reportedly reveal the Spartacus subscription service as soon as the next week. So here's the thing, guys. A new challenger approaches. The way we record this podcast, by the time you hear it, Spartacus will probably will have been revealed. Okay, so throw out a name then. So this is us just talking about the hypotheticals of what we think in the past is what's going on about this situation. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying predict a name, throw out a name. I don't have an, I, I don't know. Like, in my head, I just wanted to be PlayStation Plus and just go on from there. But it could be anything. PlayStation Plus Platinum. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think it definitely will have the PlayStation in the branding. Eh, whatever. But um, are you going to get it day one? No. Well, if all the news that we know, we've talked about Starcast multiple times. This is just rehashing conversations about things. So I'm not going to just go into detail about stuff that's happened in the past. But if the... Uh, tier system works the way I think it is, and the first level of Spartacus is just base level PlayStation Plus. I'll get it because yeah. I I like PlayStation Plus. I think it's a good service. I kind of do need it to play multiplayer games, so like I'm already invested in that from the Jump Street. I think that's an interesting decision that PlayStation is making in comparison to Microsoft, where before they had uh, Game Pass Ultimate, you needed both Xbox Live and game pass to truly be an xbox gamer so like microsoft was in a place where like they had a lot of xbox live subscribers but they had a lot more xbox live subscribers because they've been running that service for like 10 15 years now in comparison to their base since the first xbox yeah game pass subscribers if this works the way i think it is pretty much most of sony's playstation plus audience is going to immediately jump to whatever spartacus truly is on its base level they just have to market it and manage it well. Yeah. I think uh, if the second level is access to a library of PlayStation 3, 2, and 1 games from a backwards compatible like downloads, like Game Pass-like service, then I'm 100% down, and I probably will spend the extra dollars for it just because, if that makes sense. Nah, I feel you. I'm trying to think if there's anything I actually want to go back and play. In the moment right now, I can't like really think of mm-hmm. anything because I believe an old game is old. But like as someone who still has a library of PlayStation 3 games that I just never got a chance to play because of the way the console generations moved out, if I could then play those games now on a PlayStation 5 
and finally actually get to experience them easily. I'll be super happy about that. What's very interesting about Spartacus is that I am not its target audience. I don't give a shit about Game Pass. I've had yeah. it on multiple occasions. It's never done anything for me. And as a direct result, the idea of a library of PlayStation games for a uh, subscription fee doesn't really excite me or do anything like that. Nah, I feel you. I just don't want an even larger backlog of shit to play. So, well, yeah, I'm gonna get it, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it we'll see how it pans out. Yeah, to quote DJ, you are a litmus test for whether this service like has any real teeth. Because the one disadvantage they're going to have against Xbox Game Pass is that they're not putting out day one games on it. Like, if you want to play God of War Ragnarok, you have to spend the $70 to play Ragnarok, which... I don't mind that. No, a PlayStation gamer doesn't mind that. If Xbox is smart, they're going to keep harping on that to try and get more Game Pass subscribers in comparison to that. But then what is Sony going to put on this service to compete? Because I'm of the mindset that, like, cool, the backlog is great, but the backlog is not going to fucking sell units. Like, old game is old. People want new things. Like, well, I mean, shit, look at Nintendo Switch Online and Expansion Pack. People are paying money. Yes, but then already on multiple occasions, we've heard anecdotal stories that, like, people really don't use backwards compatibility. I hear you, but I mean, we'll see if they uh, announce the numbers, but... Like I said, I don't think this will sell based on its backwards compatible library. I think it, it will sell based on what their initial lineup of current gen, this yeah. era games that they can get on there that can get people yeah. in. Well, we'll be discussing it hopefully next week about what it actually is. Yeah, and we'll see if everyone gets it. Uh, like I said, if I'm shoehorned into it by virtue of it's going to be PlayStation Plus going forward, and PlayStation is going to start making aggressive moves to just uh, phase out PlayStation Plus. Mm-hmm. So, like, eventually, inevitably, if I want to maintain the benefits of PlayStation Plus, I will need to have it, but we'll see everything going forward. Um, any more stories you want to touch on? I mean, we have a little bit of time, so... Well, here's a feels-good man story for a bad situation. Uh, this is from Kotaku.com. From Zach Swison, Zweisen, uh, Epic and Fortnite players raised $36 million for Ukraine in just 24 hours. So a story we never really got to talk about is that in the early days of the Ukraine crisis, the war on Ukraine by Russia, yeah, that's the thing that's unfortunately still ongoing and probably will still be ongoing when you eventually hear this. But Epic decided for a period uh, between March 20th to March 3rd, so like a two-week period that they were taking all proceeds for Fortnite and putting it to Ukraine relief. And what's interesting about this number for two reasons. One, they raised a pretty chunk of money to send off to Ukraine and help those people who need it. But this tells you that Fortnite probably makes somewhere around $36 million a day. And you know what's even crazier? Within the gaming industry, mobile gaming, excluding advertisements, is worth more than PC and console gaming combined. Mobile gaming industry is worth about $93.2 billion with a B. PC gaming, $37.2 billion. And console gaming, $50.4 billion. That's ridiculous. Who is making more money than Fortnite daily? Well, technically, Fortnite is a mobile game. I don't think they're including that in this. Candy Crush is still making money. Uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. And all all the gotcha games that want you to get husbandos and waifus. I won't tell you how much money I spent on Fate Grand Order, how much spending I spent on probably Raid Shadow Legends, how much money I spent on Grand Blue Fantasy. This is ridiculous. But uh, we've talked about the quick hits. Uh, now a word from our sponsors. Press X to start. Tell your friends, tell your grandma, tell your uncle, tell your pappy. Hey fam, how have you enjoyed this episode so far? Would you like to make sure you keep getting the best laughs, latest news, and most fire takes? You definitely want the fire takes. Then we're going to need your help. If you haven't been already, please subscribe to our show. And if you have, then tell three people about the podcast. It could be strangers, friends, loved ones, hated ones, like real hated ones. Every little bit helps. After you've done that, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at PressX number 2 start. Twitter at PressX number 2 S. And on YouTube at Press X to Start TV. If you've done all of that, well done. Platinum trophy achieved. Now we can talk about what we've been playing. Avery. Okay, so hear me out, guys. Uh, I've been playing Eldering, sort of. So what happened was I bought Ghostwire Tokyo. I wanted to play Ghostwire Tokyo. I'm like, let me play some Ghostwire Tokyo. I was like, I remember when I played Horizon and Elder Ring, playing Horizon fucked me up for Elder Ring and playing Elder Ring because uh, Elder Ring's uh, crouch is on the stick and dodge is on the circle button. While in Horizon, I want to say circle is crouch and the stick is run. So while playing those games, there would be multiple situations where I would just get fucked up playing. Yeah, I, I still crouch by accident in a yeah, Elder Ring. So I'm like, I'm gonna wait till I finish Elder Ring to jump into Ghostwire. So to answer the early question, I haven't played Ghostwire. Also to answer another question, I haven't played Elder Ring since we lost last year on the podcast. Not because I've dropped the game or I'm done with it, because I burnt myself out on that game by putting in period of two weeks, 40 something odd hours and on the the last podcast we'd recorded, I was stuck in a room playing Elder Ring for probably 10 to 8 hours a day for my own sanity. And so I'm like, send you a 1099. Yeah, so I just needed to I just need to take a video game break. Sabbatical. Sabbatical. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I have still been playing Elden Ring, but I took a slight break only because uh shit. I think I just took the Dectus lift up. And just kind of rode in, and I'm still kind of terrified of stuff. Uh, what the hell are those things that look like they have hoodies on, but they have tentacles hanging out their face? I haven't done the deck this lift, okay. so I don't know what they are. Because I... Well, so let's talk about the last thing we, we've done in the game. Uh, so I beat Radon and then descended into the depths of the lower area of the map and started doing all of that. Ah, Nokrin. Yes. You're in, the, you're in the Eternal City. Yeah, oh, I, I beat the Eternal City. And at the end of that is where I fought the two gargoyles that made me go insane. I don't think I fought them. I probably skipped past them. To finish the Eternal City and get to the next part of that area, and I specifically to do, I think, Ronnie's side quest, you need to fight those two gargoyles. So it's not a sequence you can really skip. Well, it's a sequence you can skip because if you beat Radon at that point, you should be able to go to the game's end game. Yeah. But, like, in terms of, like, the the other areas of the game yeah yeah yeah. it's gated yeah so i beat radon 
which was uh, I, I have overleveled by accident. <laughs> it wasn't by accident. You were doing every conversation I had about you was oh, I'm just farming. I'm just I'm just grinding. I'm just grinding for souls. I mean, I didn't. You can't overlevel by accident in this game. I mean, I didn't realize I was going to be that high of a level for Radon. So I think I killed him with maybe one refill of my focus points. Um, he scared me at first because as soon as you step into the ring, he's shooting those lasers at you and it slammed the shit out of me. Um, but I summoned everybody and just proceeded to throw rocks at him until he fell. I may replay this game as a melee user just to uh, experience it a little bit different. But for the moment, I don't care about that. I'm putting on, I'm putting on the Soulsborne hat right now. You mean to actually play the game instead of using cringe magic? I'm, I'm using the tactics that they put in the game. <laughs> you need to be two inches away from Radon at all times, and you have to. I don't need to make love to Radon like you did, Avery. All right. Here's the thing: I'm I'm making fun of the cringe magic thing, and my build is cringe as shit. I'm not even playing the real Soulsborne two-handed, all-strength giant sword build. I'm using a shield and a dex weapon, and abusing the fact that bleed damage is broken, and I I need to beat this game before they nerf it. <laughs> um. So I beat him. And then I found my way into Nakran and I beat some spirit horse or some shit. I don't know. Yes, the ancestor beast. Which yeah. is at that point in the game, that's the second time you probably should have seen one. Because if you go to the uh, Sophia, uh, I think it's the Sophia River. Sayofra, yeah. Yeah, Sayofra River. There is a area where like one is dead. Yeah, one is dead, and you need to light six. Uh, I want to say six beacons. And when you light the six beacons, you can fight that boss. They repeat that in the Eternal City Nocturne area of the game. Okay. I, I saw it, but I did not revive it with the six beacons the first time. So, no, I didn't realize that you could actually fight it. Um, I killed him and I went to the Dectus Lift and kind of went up and started looking for more stuff. Yeah. So, I, I have taken a break from Elden Ring at the moment, though, and I started playing Apex Legends again, of course, because I need oh. to try to finish that. Uh... Battle Pass? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we never actually got to talk about Apex Legends Season 12 mm. because of the video game review season just kicking us in the ass. So Season 12 is out. Uh, I don't even remember what's new because I've been away from it for so long. Okay, so Olympus is back and the new area, uh, there's a phase like rift area in Olympus. That's like the only real new area. They've also mm. made the map slightly bigger because Olympus is modular which is essentially saying they took one part of the map and put it five feet in the other direction and it just made it slightly wider. Which is actually interesting for Olympus and why it might be one of my favorite maps in that it's a map they can infinitely add on to without like breaking the geometry of their world. Uh, like, just because they have all those wide-ass open spaces where you could just fall through the map, they could just add shit there. Well, combined with the fact that because it's modular, you could literally take one part of the map and just move it like an entire POA away and then put a brand new POI there and it won't fuck up the like mm. geometry of the map. Kinda. Yeah. Like with fucking uh King's Canyon, they literally had to blow up a mountain to give it just a little bit more space. Oh, the back the northern side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh they also added Maggie, who I thought would be a hard Gibraltar counter, but she's fallen of the wayside in that I think her kit is just overtuned in regards to all the things that it does. But she is a underwhelming character. Yeah. Like the problem is in order to not make it broken, 
her breach charge doesn't fill a Gibraltar bubble, and because of the way a Gibraltar bubble works, I can just get on the other side of the bubble, yeah. and like I'm still being effectively protected from line of sight from you. And in fact, now you can't even push me through your own breach charge. That's interesting. Uh, what else did they add? There was no new gun this season, was there? Uh, no, but they just did have a massive leak where they. Oh, yeah. Somebody. I didn't look at any of it, but. Uh, I, I, I looked at all of it. The next seven legends or so, plus guns, plus maps, and all that. Yeah, I, I don't want to. Not not that it's like some end game level spoiler or anything, but I'd just like to see it as they want to announce it. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, the only thing I will say is that the new legend might be tied into Bangalore, which is going to be interesting. And it might be a hard Gibraltar, like, sort of the way that Octane, Octane's rework and Ash became a, like, a horizontal uh, leap for Wraith. Like, if you were a Wraith player, like, those two characters occupy the exact same space and have acted as a nerf for Wraith. Uh, this new character might operate similarly to Gibraltar in sort of his abilities as a defensive character. And one thing I will say is that I don't think they understand that Apex has a support class. I will just... <laughs> nah. Uh, I don't think we've had a proper support character in quite a while. Lobo is the last support character we got if he was season 5. We're on season 12 right now. Shit. Well? Yeah. Apex season 12 is lit. Uh, I really enjoyed playing it for those two weeks. I got the chance to play it before video games kept coming out, and I didn't have time to do it anymore. I can't wait to finish Elden Ring so I can... I can mold about trying to complete this battle pass that I made a point to compete. I was like, oh, I'm going to complete this battle pass. It seems really cool. And then I played other games for two weeks. Well, you got a month to do it, guy. Uh, did you see the... Oh, since we've turned this into an Apex Legends podcast, did you see the new skin for the Warrior event? Yes, but I still refuse to spend money on microtransaction stuff. That's fair. Like, it's one of those things where, like, if I played... There's no Wraith, Gibraltar, or Watson skins. So it's not an event I'm going to be spending money for. It's for the crypto heirloom, which yeah. I, don't, I don't play crypto, so like I'm not going to spend the money for that. But it's all horse armor to me, man. Unless it's like full DLC where you're actually adding shit to the game, I can't justify spending money on it. I, I, I just got to be dripped out. I can't be looking at like I can't. I, like, here's the thing. I'm not good enough for the game to wear the default skin on the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, or one of like the low level things so I need the drip to tell people who I'm about like every time I roll up into a game with a bald head or wraith everyone just makes assumptions of the level of player I am and I'm like that just feeds my confidence going to a match nah nobody sees me long enough to judge my outfit they're dead quickly because I have every wraith and Watson skin every time I roll up and there's a 13 year old kid on the other side of the voice con like Holy shit, you have that skin? Yes. I bought it with my money. <laughs> I have a job. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, that's what we've been playing. Um, this is a shorter press exit start podcast episode. Hope you all enjoyed it. See you all again next week. Toodaloo. Bye, everyone. Bye.